0: May God add his blessing to the reading this morning, and may the words from my mouth be what we need to hear this morning. Years ago, the Florida State University football team recruited a place kicker. His name was Scott Brantley. He was considered to be the best prospect among place kickers in the country at that time. And one of the Florida State coaches asked him this question, what would you do if in the biggest game of the year On the opening kickoff of a game against our arch rival, Miami, the only player that the coach sent out onto the field was you. Everyone else would sit on the sidelines, and you'd go out there by yourself. And He thought about it for a minute, and he said, Well, if I couldn't kick it out of the end zone, then I'd just have to make the tackle. That's determination. Paul had that kind of determination. Listen to his words whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And then he goes on down the line and talks about not having obtained his goal yet. He says that he, forgetting what lies ahead and straining forward, or forgetting what lies behind, I should say. And straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal. That is determination. I press on toward the goal. Could anyone stop Paul from what he was doing? Could anyone stop Paul from serving Christ except by killing him? Imprisonment didn't stop him. Beating him didn't stop him. Ridiculing him didn't stop him. Only death would finally shut him up. I press toward the mark. I struggle for the goal line. If I'm the only player on the field, I'll kick it to the end zone or I'll make the tackle myself. A person with that kind of determination will succeed at whatever it is that she or he is doing or attempts to do. There are three keys to this fierce determination focus. And that is focus, forgetting, and faith. First of all, focus on what really matters. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. Only one thing mattered to Paul. To live for Jesus Christ. That was his focus. You have to have focus if you're going to be successful in anything. In the book, you don't need to have a title to be a leader, the author talks about a friend of his named Bill who lives outside of Kalamazoo, Michigan. He says that several years ago, Bill bought a new house on the edge of a wooded area. And Bill likes to feed birds. So he put a bird feeder up in his backyard. But before the sun set that evening, The squirrels were swinging off the bird feeder and eating all the food. And before he knew it, all the bird seed was gone and the squirrels had eaten it all. He thought, well, I gotta do something about this. I wanna feed my birds. So for the next two weeks, he declared war on those squirrels. He isn't a mean guy and he wouldn't do anything to hurt them, but he was willing to use any peaceful means necessary to keep the squirrels out of his bird feeder. And so he tried greasing the post of the bird feeder, but that didn't work. He went to the hardware store, and he bought a quote-unquote squirrel-proof bird feeder with wire mesh wrapped around it, and the label said that it was guaranteed, so he took it home, and he put it in his backyard, and by sunset, the squirrels were swinging off that one too, and they were reaching in and pulling out food and eating the bird seed again. The next day, he took the Feeder back to the hardware store, and he said, I want my money back, this doesn't work. The store manager said, well, I could have told you when you bought it that there's no such thing as a squirrel-proof bird feeder. Bill looked at him in disbelief, and he said, you mean we have all this technology, all the things we can do these days, but our best and brightest scientists and engineers can't design a bird feeder that can outsmart an animal? with a brain the size of a pea? And he says, yep, that's right. He says, well, why not? The hardware store manager looks at him and says, let me ask you something, sir. How much time, on average, have you spent in the last two weeks trying to keep the squirrels out of that bird feeder? He said, "No, maybe a half hour a day, he said, how much time do you think the squirrel spends each day trying to get in? The answer is, almost every squirrel, if you watch them, spends about 98% of their waking hours looking for food. That's what they do. The moral of the story is this. Focus and determination beats brains and intellect every time. To be successful, you need, first of all, to be focused on what's important. I read a story about a 10-year-old whose name was Taylor, who survived four days all by himself in the swamps in the waters of Turtle Swamp, Florida. And during these four days, this little guy was floating uh, without food or shelter until he was rescued by a fisherman 14 miles from where he had disappeared from. And this swamp is very, very dangerous. It's so dangerous that four recruits had disappeared and died the previous year uh, when the military was doing some training in that area. But they think that what probably saved Taylor that those, during those days was that he is autistic. And you see, Taylor was fixated completely on one detail in his situation. He managed to block out the fear and the hunger, so he didn't panic. None of the dangers were distractions to him, like the wild animals, the mosquitoes, the darkness, the loneliness, the scary sounds. None of that was as noticeable to him because his focus was on one thing, as is typical of an autistic child. And this could cause him to do anything, something that would make his situation worse. But he had that tunnel vision, so to speak, Focus. Ask any athlete if it's important. Ask any successful business person if focus is important. It's also important to the follower of Christ. Some of us have never settled in our own mind that serving God is the most important single thing in our lives. Paul had that settled. He wrote, I regard everything as loss because of my surpa- the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Stay focused on what matters most. Next, forget what needs to be forgotten. He said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Don't let the past slow you down. Sometimes we aren't successful in the present because we're still living in the past. In a workshop, a nationally known writer and a consultant by the name of Lyle Shaler asked the group this question. He said, what do you think is the single most powerful influence in your decision-making process when you have a decision to make? For example, if you are in a group trying to make a decision about something or trying to plan an event or a course of action, what is the most powerful influence in the room? And after the group discussed it for a little while, Mr. Shaler gave them his answer. He said, there's no question in my mind, the most powerful influence in decision-making is the past. Maybe he's right. Churches are haunted by their past. We've tried that before. It didn't work. Or, but we've never done it that way before. Paul had a past. Paul had been a loyal Jew. He had been a Pharisee. He was very loyal to his faith. He was so loyal to his faith that he persecuted those who followed Christ. He was there and he gave his okay when Stephen was stoned. Then Paul met Christ on the road to Damascus, and he became a follower of Jesus. Not too surprisingly, the church rejected him at first because he had been a Pharisee and did persecute the church. They were afraid that this was a trick that he might be playing. After he was accepted by the church finally, he was persecuted by other Jews and by the Romans for his new faith. There was a lot that Paul had to get past. There were many emotions, guilt, anger, fear, associated with his past that he needed to let go of. Forgetting what is behind, he said. There's something called the second chance theory. According to this theory, one of the most important differences between the children of the so-called lower class and the children of middle and upper class is that more fortunate children are almost always given a second chance. If a kid from the inner city is arrested for shoplifting, or for drunk driving, or for smoking a joint, it's just about impossible for him or her to bounce back. But if a kid with money or influence goes astray, an army of lawyers and psychologists will rush to his or her aid. Nonprofit groups are beginning to take on the challenge of giving deserving kids of all economic groups a second chance. We worship a God who always gives second chances. Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. focused on the things that matter the most. Forgetting about those things in life that hold us back. Focus. Forget. And finally, exercise your faith. I press on toward the goal of the heavenly call. Believe the gospel. Believe that life has meaning. Believe that life has purpose. Believe that your life is not in vain. Believe that through Christ, you can do all things. You and I want to believe those same things. We want to believe in a loving God who watches over us and provides for every need. But sometimes life is hard. And sometimes it's very hard. Professor Charles A. Beard, who was a famous historian, was asked what major lessons he had learned from history. And he answered that he had learned four lessons. And here they are. First, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad with power. Second, the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceeding small. Third, the bee fertilizes the flower that it robs. And finally, the one I like the best, when it is dark enough, you can see the stars. When it is dark enough, you can see the stars. There may be a darkness over your life right now. You may be facing problems in your family, with your health, with the health of your loved ones, with finances, whatever it may be. Paul knew what it was to go through trying times. Listen as he writes about it. He said, they say they serve Christ, but I have served Christ. I have worked harder, been put in jail oftener, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again and again. Five different times the Jews gave me their terrible 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was in the open sea all night and the whole next day. I have traveled many weary miles and have been often in great danger from flooded rivers, from robbers, from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the hands of the Gentiles. I have faced grave dangers from mobs in the cities and from death in the deserts and in stormy seas and from men who claim to be brothers but are not. I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I have shivered with cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. That is all from the, his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter. Paul knew about extreme difficulty. Most people would have turned back if they would have fa- were to face what he faced. But he kept pressing forward. How did he do it? He focused. He forgot. And he exercised faith. He knew that Christ was with him. And so he was able to hang on, even through those very difficult times. When I was a teenager, I had a neighbor who was a double amputee. He'd lost one leg in the Vietnam War, came home, got into a terrible auto accident, and lost the other leg in that. His name was Mark. I remember him well. He was a good friend. He lived right next door to us. Mark had just been released from the hospital after the accident, and was in a wheelchair, of course. And he wanted to, decided that he was determined to strengthen his upper body. And he said to his brother and to me, take me for a ride over to Oglesby. I have this spot in mind where I want to exercise. And so we went to Oglesby, and we went to the bottom of this very steep hill on the East end of town, down past the cookie factory, and the, down, down there, so I don't know where, exactly where it was, but I could show it to you if I had to. And the hill, we, he said, drive down to the bottom of the hill and park the car. So we did, and we got him into his wheelchair, and he said, okay, I'm gonna go up that hill. And I looked at that hill and I thought, man, I don't know if I can walk up that hill. And he's gonna push a wheelchair up there with his arms, right? And so he tried a few times. He once fell out of his chair. He, could, he couldn't get any more than just a few feet and would roll back down the hill and we'd have to catch him again. But he was determined. And we got back in the car. He hadn't made it up the hill, of course. He said, what are you gonna do now, Mark? And he said, well, I want you to bring me back tonight after it gets dark okay so we brought him back that evening after it got dark he said okay i'll put a flashlight in my lap we did turned the flashlight on and it was very very dark he began to go up the hill a little bit at a time and he got about halfway up the hill that night turned around and went back down. And of course, after we went there a few more nights, he was able to make it, well, several more nights, he was able to make it to the top of that hill. I never could figure it out. I couldn't figure out why at night he could get up that hill, but during the day, he could not. And years later, it dawned on me that in the daytime, he would look at that hill And it was overwhelming. It was huge. It was long. It was steep. And it was just too much to imagine making it up there. But at night, with his little flashlight, he could just see a few feet in front of him. And he could make that few feet. And then he'd see a few more feet in front of him. And he'd make that few feet. And I learned a very very valuable lesson from Mark. And that is, even if that hill is really, really big and really steep and it doesn't look like you're going to be able to climb it, take it just a few feet at a time. Don't try to beat the hill in one day. But he was determined. He was going to climb that hill. And he did. And that's what Paul did. And that's what we can do. A few feet at a time. Like the football player, we've all seen a great play at one time or another, players hanging on him and he just keeps on running. Nothing stops him, he keeps going because he's determined to reach that goal. Paul couldn't be stopped because of his faith. He said, I live, but not I, but Christ that lives in me, in Galatians. Pressing toward the mark, struggling toward the goal line. You'll have to kill me, to stop me, not giving up in the face of obstacles, even great obstacles. Let's ask God to give us that kind of fierce determination. We've faced some very difficult days lately. This past week has been a, a, an overwhelming week in my life. It's been very difficult, and I've had to heed this advice. One day at a time, no. One hour at a time, no. I had my days this week where it was one minute at a time just to get through the day. Let's ask God to give us that kind of determination to make it through as we move forward in the days ahead. Amen.